Thank you, Grace Church. Give it up for the worship team and those watching online, will you? What a great worship set. Greetings to those who are watching online. Thank you for tuning in and, and thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming out. Uh, before I begin, I would like to really quickly, I don't know that we have yet or not, but I would like to pray for all of the, the kids going back to school and all the teachers. We have a church full of teachers and uh, love them, appreciate uh, all the teachers. Can we get it for teachers in the Hickory area? Thank you. Uh, thank you for teaching. Thank you for uh, the the effort that you put in. The uh, one funny story. One of the uh, one of our grandchildren goes to uh, a school here in Hickory, and one of the uh, teachers, uh, administrators in the school goes to our church, and come to find out, for like three days, he was going to the wrong math class, and so. Uh, she rescued him and uh, uh, got him in the right room, and uh, so it was kind of fun. Uh, that's something I would have done in, in school, uh, but uh, thank God for teachers and administrators and counselors, and thank God for students. Thank God for, uh, you know, because going, especially going to a new school for the first time can be really intimidating, right? And so uh, I, I it, uh, when we, as parents, we hated the first day of school. Like, June and I, in fact, Andrew wouldn't go. Uh, so he, he, please, Mama, don't make me go there, were his exact words. And so she didn't. We, we started him a year late. He ended up graduating early. But it was just, I, like, we couldn't do it. So we were those parents, right? And so thank you for teaching, teachers. Thank you for parents. Thank you for parenting. Uh, and I just want to pray for all of our students and teachers because I just... I, I, you know, I know that's a heavy, there's a heavy burden sometimes, uh, and school should be fun, right? Uh, and yet we know there's a lot of stuff going on. So would you agree with me in prayer as we pray for, uh, I don't care if it's preschool, uh, pre-K, kindergarten, elementary, middle school, high school, uh, graduate school, college, I want to pray for all of our students uh, in every phase. Father, we thank you, Lord, because you are uh, an awesome God, first of all, and you totally, uh, Lord, get it. So I thank you for parents sending their kids to school or keeping their kids home and homeschooling, however that looks. Lord, thank you for the educational process. Thank you for teachers, homeschool teachers, uh, private school teachers, uh, public school teachers. Thank you for students. Thank you for those on every level who are going to pre-kindergarten or daycare. Father, all the way through postgraduate college, Father, Lord, master's and doctor degrees, we pray you bless them. Father, we pray you pour your spirit out upon them. Protect them with a hedge of protection. Lord, a shield of favor over them. Lord, guide those. Guide the administrators and guide the, the teachers and counselors, Lord, to, to give wisdom, godly advice. Thank you for the students, Father, Lord, to accept that. Lord, as they're learning, Lord, let them learn godly principles. And, Father, Lord, let your Holy Spirit be with them. Order their steps. Be their rear guard. Thank you, Father, in advance for testimonies of, Lord, you raising up a nation of young people, God, who are God-fearing, who love you, who love to worship, who love to praise you, and thank you, Father. We love and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Praise God. I, I, I'm so thankful for uh, our teachers and parents and schools, and, and uh, we, we want to continue to uh, pray for them and, and bless them. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you for joining in with me. Uh, well, we're, we're starting a new series today called Now's the Time. Uh, and maybe you can even make it personal. Now is your time. 
And it's based on the life of Joshua and Caleb. Theologians believe that Joshua wrote the book of Joshua at least, uh, at least about uh, 90% of it. There may be some uh, end of the book that he didn't write. But he wrote about 90% of Joshua, at least he's credited for that. And we're going to talk about the story of Joshua, and it's going to lead into our conference. And so uh, this Sunday and the next two Sundays will be precursors to the conference. And then we would love for you to come out that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. The 23rd will be here. That's a Friday night. And it'll be a night of worship. It's going to be almost maybe even just kind of laid back where we're just going to get into God's presence and take God for what he says, take God for his word, that if two or three shall gather together in his name, there will he be in the middle of us. And so we're going to gather, we're going to worship, we're going to praise God. And then I'm going to interview the two guest speakers that we've invited in for this season and for this time. Uh, and one is Dr. Charles Kelly, who's, uh, and I, I'll give his age now, but he, he's 83 and, and just and still going strong. Uh, but he's kind of a Joshua, he's kind of a Caleb. He's, he's He's a man that, uh, give me that mountain, give it to me now, and, and, and then we're, we're going to have Rick Ross in as well. And so I'll interview those two guys uh, just about some shifts that I see are taking place uh, in the world today, one of which I'll talk about today a little bit. Uh, and then Saturday uh, will we'll be sessions two and three at five o'clock and six o'clock at the downtown campus. And then afterwards, we've, um, uh, we've contracted with a professional chef to uh, cook us up a good meal. Uh, and everybody's invited because that meal's already been paid for by great people in our church. And so uh, thank you, uh, first of all. Uh, and and, you're in, and you can invite people out for it, too. We're, we're going to, uh, so that Saturday night will be downtown campus because we have a ballroom upstairs where we can, we can eat. And so Friday night here, Saturdays, both sessions down there, we are going to be taking communion because Joshua, uh, this is the coolest thing, Joshua and Caleb uh, were part of the very first Passover, okay, Think about that, which is what, how we represent communion because Jesus was the night that Passover time, all right? So it, we, uh, Joshua and Caleb um, observed the first Passover, and then uh, while that first year they were out in the wilderness, they were able to observe the second Passover, and then God put a stop to the Passover because they were wandering for 39 years. He wouldn't let them observe the Passover, and then Joshua and Caleb were the only two people in history to be part of the first three Passovers. At Gilgal, when they camped, they were able to participate in the Passover one more time, and so between sessions five, uh, th two and three, uh, on that Saturday, we're going to take uh, communion together uh, just in observance of the miracle that God does through communion. Because now it's, now it's communion for community that we, we take it together. So come on out, make plans that Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday we'll have services just like today, 9.15 and 11 o'clock. So uh, these next three Sundays, counting today, will be a precursor, a prelude to the, the, the breakthrough, the now is the time uh, conference that we're going to set up. So we're going to come out of uh, Joshua, but I want to, I want to, I want to prelude that a little bit uh, in the, the formality of who Joshua is. Joshua was a, was a quite dynamic person, and, and Caleb as well. We uh, will partner Caleb with it. Joshua and Caleb were outstanding. They were born into slavery, much like we are uh, in sin. 
They were born into slavery. Think about that for a second. That's all they knew for 40 years of their life was to be slaves, okay? Uh, they didn't know freedom. Uh, again, bondage, addictions, uh, past, things that, that grab us, okay? Sometimes uh, we look at people and we say, well, why don't they just get delivered? Why don't they get healed? Why don't they get set free? That's all they know. They have to look at us and see Jesus in us. They have to find Christ through our mannerisms, through our love, through our forgiveness, through our mercy, through our grace. That's how they see Christ because they, don't, they only hear about this person named Jesus. They've never felt them. And so they didn't know anything other than slavery. And now they're, in, they're, they're free from Egypt, but they're, they're wandering. And by the way, they were only meant to wander for a year, all right? But they were meant to wander. So sometimes you think people are, how come they're not growing in Christ? It's almost a God-ordained thing that we want just a little bit. We have to get rid of a lot of the old self. So the uh, Israelites were made to wander for one year. Then after the end of one year, they're sent spies out, okay? And Caleb, Joshua and Caleb are two of these spies that they know they can take the land. They know it's there. They know it's right. But uh, the other 10 kind of talk Moses out of it, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But I wanted to kind of prelude. Joshua was part of a lot of things. He was a warrior. He was a servant. He was a leader. He was a spy. He, he saw uh, the Ten Commandments. He saw Moses throw him down. He saw the tabernacle being built. He saw all these wonderful things. Yet he kind of kept them to himself until it was his time. So maybe now is your time to be that that person that God has called you to be and, and start to walk in the fruit and the fullness thereof. Joshua, the first chapter, first four verses, we may talk about them as we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now. Everybody say now. 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 Say it with conviction. Now. Now is a subject of a new revelation. It means there's, there's something here that's going to take place. It's like if a parent is maybe calling their, their child or something, okay? And they, hey, come on, it's time to eat. And they're just, you know, messing around. Or maybe they're still on their tablet or their phone. Come on, I said it's time to eat. Let's go. It's time to go. We're going to go. And then all of a sudden the parent might say, now. Right? Have any parents ever said that? Now. Now is the time, right? Now. And there's authority there. There's a, now, the, now the child, for the most part, knows that you're, you mean business. This is God's way of saying he means business. Now is a revelation. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, that word now. Now I know there's a change here. There's a change in uh, grammar. There's a change in documentation. There's a change in attitude. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan and you and all this people into the land that I am. Now, we'll stop there for a second because I like the terminology in Scripture where it says, I am. God introduces himself to Moses in Exodus, the third chapter, with the burning bush as I am. Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And God says, you tell them I am that I am. I'm that I am. I am that, that person you need. God is the I am for you today. God is your I am. God loves you, and he will be all those things for you. And then we started the first part of this year after we talked about word, worship, our worship word, community, our prayer and community, all right, kind of our core four, we went into the seven I am's of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so now we know that not only God is I am, but we know that Jesus is I am, and he performs those I am's. But in the scripture will tell us that we are as well. There's many things that we are. In fact, I'll give you a few of them. The Bible says, I am saved in 2 Timothy 1 and 9. The Bible says, I am complete in Colossians 2 and 10. The Bible says, I am chosen in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 4. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and 12 that I am forgiven. I am a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I am a child of God in 1 John 3 and 1. I am redeemed in Ephesians and I am light in Matthew and I am justified in Romans and I am free from sin in Romans 6 and 22. The Bible says I am more than a conqueror in Romans 8 and 37, and that I'm God's temple in 1 Corinthians 3, that I am one in Christ with, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 17, and in 1 Corinthians 7 and 17, the Bible says that I am called. So not only is God, I am, because he is, we are. That's the God you serve. That's the revelation that we need. He says, I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Verse 3 says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. I stop there for just one second because when we studied back in the summer, did you like the summer in Psalms? I love the summer in Psalms. I, I just, it was so refreshing. And I encourage you to continue to read a Psalm every day or maybe read the proverb of the day. If, if tomorrow's the fifth day of the, of the month, read Proverbs 5 or, or read a Psalm or two. I like what Marcus said last week that was the Dick Eastman reads five Psalms every day. Billy Graham, the same Kind of the same, right? The reads five psalms every day. It was pretty cool. We were able to watch. Thank you to the media team, by the way. We, we watched. Danny and I were heading up the mountains last week, uh, and we love Colorado. It's one of our favorite places. And so we were watching. Uh, we, were, we leave our car on Eastern time so that we know what time we're supposed to be on, okay? And so it's all right. The program's going to start in like five minutes. And there's like a, maybe a 90-second delay or so. Uh, and so the... the prelude was taking place and the music and all that and we were we were heading apart a bad a, kind of a dead part of Colorado uh uh internet or phone wise and so we were, we were able to watch all the worship which was amazing the worship was so good give it up for the worship team for uh just ah so incredible and we felt like we felt God there and Janie was singing right with him and I tried and she asked me to be quiet a couple of times and <laughs> And so, uh, but she was, she was leading, helping lead in worship. And then it was time for Marcus to come on and it started to, to blip out. And then we got a couple like of his announcements and then it just went dead, you know? And so she kept, Jenny kept the phone on and we're trying to, trying to research and trying to refresh and get all that. And then by the time it refreshed, uh, Andrew and Emily were back up for the, the closing song. And so uh, we totally missed the message, but we did listen to it on, on Monday and I sent you a text. It was an amazing word, too, by the way. It's very, very good, very good. And I, I like that, the five psalms a day. But I would encourage you at least to read one psalm a day or one proverb of the day or grab a chapter or grab a verse. The more of God's word you get into you, the more of him that you know, okay? And the more of him that you know, the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In other words, when we get God's word in us, we flush that sin out, all that bad stuff. 
Here, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon takes me back to when we studied Psalms 84, the Valley of Baca, talked before that about praising God. And there was three different terminologies for praising God. I'll just get into one of them today. The word praise, okay, in this one case is Barak, B-A-R-A-K. Barak means to praise God, which, by the way, is the same exact meaning of this word tread means Barak, B-A-R-K. So let's read it a little bit differently. Every place of the sole of my foot will praise God I have given I have given you or I will get from God so when I'm willing to go ahead and praise God for my, the battle that I have or the need that I need okay when I praise God first he says that battle's already been won he's given us that promise that should excite somebody today because if we don't praise God ahead of time we're not going to get the rewards thereof afterwards I have to learn how to praise God through thick and thin through the valley and through the mountain, I've got to praise God. And this is what he's telling Joshua. Now, in Joshua's case, it's literal. You go ahead and march, but in our case, it's spiritual. Wherever you're willing to do that battle, wherever you're willing to praise God, wherever you're willing to throw your hands up and sacrifice and say, God, I'm going to praise you, okay? And there's some dynamic praise and worship music that we sing at Grace Church, all right? And it's, it's incredible. And when I get into the praise and worship, I know that God is standing right here by my side. I know that he is my rear guard. I know that he's ordering my steps. I know that he's built a shield of favor around about me. I know I can do it. Because sometimes I listen to the chatter, and it's like, no, I can't do it. I just, and the enemy will come to your head, but God resides in your heart, all right? So everywhere your foot will tread upon, I have given you past tense. God's already given you the promise. Now think about that for a second. It's like he's a, he's a father that's not going to let you down. He's a father that any good father, Jesus and any good father will give their children good things. How much more will my father in heaven give unto you? God has great things in store and plans for you. He says, just as I have promised to Moses, verse 4 says this, from the wilderness and his Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the high tides and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. He starts to mark it out because God is a strategic God. He loves to form strategy with his people. He loves to tell you what he's going to do. Then he loves to show you how he's going to do it. And then all you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is start to walk it out. But there's a couple words in there that we'll put on the screen. Now, arise, go. Kind of the, the, the impetus of today. Now, arise, go. He doesn't say, now sit there and wait. And sometimes in Scripture we do have to wait. Sometimes we, we decide, see, when the, when the uh, Israelites left Egypt, they had to wander for a year to get rid of all the Egypt in their life. And then it came to this point in time, God says to Moses, send out 12 spies to go see what the land looks like, not to see if you can take the land or not, just to see what the land looks like because God is strategic. 12 spies go out, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Joshua and Caleb are two of those spies. They go out. 40 days they look at the land. There are giants in the land. They're, they're huge, okay? They're, they're humongous. They're, they're, there's, uh, but there's also grapes in the land. They're the size of watermelons. And it took two men, the Bible says, to carry one bunch of grapes. And so you got these guys carrying the grapes, and the land is fruitful. It's full of milk, and it's full of honey. It's full of, it's full of blessing. And here's the Israelites wandering in the desert for a year at this point in time. And they're, 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 you know, they're looking 
looking for water, they're looking for food, there's manna, but they're, they're starving, they're hungry, they're, they're, they're not, they don't feel fulfilled, and maybe that's you today. You just don't feel totally fulfilled, but you know God's got this promise on your life, but what, what happens? And so we see, he sends out spies, and two, Joshua and Caleb come back, and it's like, this land is beautiful. I mean, it's green, and it's lush, and the fruit is huge, and it's amazing. And the other ten come back and say, there's giants in the land. They're going to kill us. There's no way we can survive these guys. And Moses, unfortunately, listens to the ten rather than the two. But I want to give you a couple things today that I believe that God is showing us and, and showing and hopefully showing you is, one, Joshua and Caleb looked with spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. See, what will happen in times is we'll listen to our mind, we'll listen to our neighbor, listen to a family member, all that mean well. We'll listen to the community, we'll listen to the government, we'll watch a news channel, we'll hear things, and all of a sudden it seems so bad. Is it one news channel that Janie and I watch uh, every night at 6.30 has 28 minutes of bad stuff and the little two-minute segment at the end of, you know, pumping life into you. I'd rather have 28 minutes of good stuff and two minutes of, hey, look out for this. I don't need to know how bad stuff is. It's incumbent upon man to sin. Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. It's incumbent upon Christians to be Christ-like. That's what they're supposed to do. Love God, live for God, love people, right? And so uh, what Joshua and Caleb start doing, though, is they start seeing with spiritual eyes. And you can write that down. You need to start looking with your spiritual eyes. You need to start looking at things as what did God say versus what did man say. What does God want versus what does man want, okay? It's, it's a simple uh, ordinance there of behavior that says, wait a second, if God made everything, created everything, is in charge of everything, I'm going to listen to what God has to say. I'm going to start being a God follower. See, if, if Joshua and Caleb came back and they were like, wait a second, hey, no, 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 no. Yeah, yes, there is giants in the land, but God's already given them to us. Yeah, I see what's taking place, but God's already. It doesn't make sense that we would bring 10% to the storehouse and keep 90, but God said if we do that, we'll actually have more than if we had 100% ourselves. You see, it never makes sense with God, right? But God's in charge, so he knows. Now, arise, go, Caleb, Joshua, it's your time. Now go. It's your time, now do. It's your time, now act. And when we understand that philosophy, it's a spiritual thing. We talked early in the year about a fourth dimension, seeing things spiritually. The first, second, and third dimension are all things that we can touch or feel or hear. But the fourth dimension is a spiritual nature that now we get into. We're in the spirit realm. And now God said, I can do it. God says, you can be healed of cancer. You can be healed of cancer. God says you can get a job, you can get a job. And not only just a job, but a good paying job, or maybe several jobs. God tells you what you can do if we listen to him and we abide by his word. Well, yeah, but the, the boss man says I can't do that. The boss man doesn't have to charge you whether you go to heaven or hell. God does. God's in charge. He's our nature point. He's the, he's the point that we listen to. So when I walk in... God, when I follow Christ, when I listen to the Holy Spirit speak to me, this is why Joshua and Caleb knew they could do it. 
So after that first year, they came back, and, and, and Joshua and Caleb were like, yeah, we can take this land. This is, man, this is our land. God, you've promised us. This is beautiful. And then the other ten are like, no, we can't do it. We're afraid. We're not going to do it. Moses listens to them. And for 39 more years, they have to wander in a wilderness. Now, the second thing that we learn from uh, Joshua especially and Caleb is, and you can write this down, they didn't complain, they didn't compare, and they did not compete with Moses. Many of us today in, in the church world, we get mad if something's not our way. Well, I told them we could have that land. You know, that's our land. We, they, didn't, they didn't start a, a rivalry. They didn't, they didn't start a, a problem. They just kept to themselves. In fact, the Bible, I think, would have been clear and would have said, and Moses and Joshua, they are Joshua and Caleb, they took the land anyway. Nope, they waited. They served for the next 39 years. Now, the Bible says that when God said, okay, you'll wander in the wilderness until all of your adult people are dead, right away in Numbers 14 or 15, the, uh, the Bible says that they all turn. Now we can take the land. Nope, God said it was too late. But Joshua and Caleb still had to walk through that, that, that where, uh, where in Numbers 11, they all complained to the point where God killed some of them. See, when we complain, when we compare, when we compete with other people, we're not walking in the full identity of who God made us because we want the credit. If we're comparing, competing, and complaining, we must want the credit. Well, I can do it better to that person. I can do it differently than that person. Well, I'm better than that person. We're all God's creation. Joshua and Caleb simply went to work every day for 40 years wandering. And I think there's not enough said about that. Joshua kept his mouth shut. Caleb kept his mouth shut. But today our culture is we got to put it on Instagram or, or Facebook, don't we? So-and-so is a bad guy. You know what they talk about and they do that. I think maybe we learned to just a little bit more. <laughs> maybe be a little bit more quiet. Now, I can say I came back from vacation and I feel good. And Janie said, I, th I think People think that you're leave we're leaving. Why? I said, why do you say that? Well, you sold both of your houses. You got your motorcycle for sale, and you, you're gone for 10 days from the church. People are going to think you're gone. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I got a board meeting on Wednesday. Dear board. Um, we're not going anywhere, by the way. The Grace Church is home to us. We love Grace Church. And uh, I hope to be here for a long, long time. Now the board may have different thoughts about it. The old guy, get out of here. <laughs> um, we, as a, not Grace Church, I believe you all are the most wonderful people in the world, but the church body around the world, we have to stop complaining, comparing, competing with the world when we serve a higher power. When we serve God Almighty who covers everything. I have one friend, I believe he's right. He says, you know, the modern day complainer, their, their prayers get hindered. It's like you pray, but you complain, you pray, but you complain, you, you pray, but you compare, you pray, but you compete, you pray, and you pray, and you want credit, and, all, and they just get hindered, where if we simply pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God starts to move in magnificent ways. God, we, we've got to be careful, one, that we look at spiritual eyes, and two, we stop this comparing, competing, complaining so that we can get the credit attitude and take on Joshua and Moses' heart and say, my time is coming. My time is here. 
Your, your time just may be right now. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing in the world if your time was like right now because you've handled every situation right? See, I see a shift that's taking place. Joshua and Caleb understood through Moses and God what the mission and the vision was. And so churches, businesses, organizations, schools, they come with a mission statement or maybe a vision statement. The nice thing about a mission and a vision statement is it's there for everybody to see. The bad thing about a mission and a vision statement is that when the mission is complete, they've got to change the mission statement. Every, the mission's got to change. And I'll tell you what happened here when Joshua actually defeats 33 nations in 39 battles, kills 39 kings and takes over. The mission was done. The vision was kind of complete. And God's kind of like, what's your mission? What's your vision now? And Joshua says in, in Joshua 24 and 15, you serve whoever you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're serving God. All right. That, that's his statement. But the problem in the world is that you can have a really good mission statement, a really good vision statement, but you can still have bad morals. You can still have a bad philosophy. So I see a shift taking place even in the church world, moving from mission and vision to principles and values. And so I have just some principles that are on the screen right here. Now, you may have your own set of principles. But principles shouldn't change. Principles of integrity and humility, of obedience, and of word, not only the word of God, but your own word. If, listen, if you tell somebody something, you need to do it or explain to them why you couldn't do it. We have a, a society anymore that doesn't stand by their word. Well, you have 13 pages of legal documents you've got to sign just to change the date on something. Well, you know... That took me 20 minutes. I just want to change the, the time from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Okay, but here's 13 pages. you got to sign all these pages. Really? Integrity. Church, if you have principles of integrity, if you have principles of humility, the Bible says, this is such a cool scripture Solomon tells us, humility and the fear of the Lord bring riches, honor, and life. So if you just walk humbly before God, and if you fear God, like, okay, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you mad. I don't want you, I don't want to offend you or anything, but I really want to honor God. I really fear God. And the reason I don't want to hurt you is because I fear God, okay? And so if I walk humbly and I fear God, he brings riches, honor, and life. He brings the very thing that people don't operate integrity want to give. If they would just peel back and say, I'm going to walk in humility and the fear of God, all those other things are going to come. See, Satan wants you to think that you're not going to get those things and that you have to challenge or sacrifice your integrity, sacrifice your humility, sacrifice your obedience. Do you know the Christian church would be the single, I'm going to say it, the Christian church in the world today would be the single richest entity if the people that went to those churches brought a true tithe and offering to the church. You can say amen or oh me. You can say ouch or hallelujah. I'm just going to say the truth, all right? I, don't, don't hate me and don't be mad. Can I speak into you for a second? All right? Why is it? that the church world refuses to be obedient with tangible things when they want God to be obedient to their prayers. 
Why is it that we say, oh, you know, I can't do that. You know, I got this extra deal here, and I, I'm going to do this, and I'm stretching here and all, all that. And God's blessed us with a, a job or a family or miracles and all that. Well, I just can't do that. It's just, and all of a sudden, but God, you're not hearing my prayers. Well, if I fear God, then I walk in his obedience. It's a, a no-brainer. Listen, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. I'm not. But I get it. God, I just have to do what you say, and you're going to take care of me? And for 40-some years, he's taken care of me and Janie because we've just done what he said. It's a no-brainer, church. It's a no-brainer. I don't... By the way, who would have more integrity than God? <laughs> who would have more humility than Jesus? Who would be more obedient than the Holy Spirit? And you wrap there all three into the Word of God. The one that lets everything down is, is humanity. If we don't operate in our word, in other words, if our word's not good enough. And so you may have a different set of principles. These are four that I came up with thinking that, all right, God, I, I know I believe you want your people to operate in integrity. I believe you want your people to operate in humility. I, want, I believe you want your people to operate in obedience. Jesus was obedient to the cross. Don't you think he, we should be obedient as well? And I'm not talking about just tithing. He also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, you know, who's my neighbor? Everybody wants to know, who's my neighbor? Well, your neighbor is the very person that you can't stand. That's your neighbor. That's who Jesus is talking about. Can we say it? That guy that cuts you off on the road and you want to honk your horn, you might even want to get out and slap him across the face. Road rage. Man, honked the other time for like the first time this year. Man, I was so frustrated. It was one of those 13-page document days, and I had to click took it out of my real I I did honk the horn forgive me Jesus I've been, I've been really good I've been really good all year I haven't bought a pair of shoes and uh and I honked for the first time the other day man I right, start again today new day I didn't honk today coming in word so be a person of your word. Now let's go to values. You may, you may have a different set of values as well, too. So to me, values are the strength. Now, it's spiritual strength. I'm not talking about physical strength, but spiritual strength, all right? There's nothing that's going to rock your world when you follow principles like integrity and humility and obedience in the word. There's nothing that's going to rock your world. You're going to be strength. And then you're going to be, of course, courageous. These are things that Joshua showed. Right, he was strong, he was courageous, and then he has faith. And how do we get faith? Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we, we walk in this supernatural faith because we have strength and courageous. And again, your values may look a little bit different. Your values might be family, or your values, values might be relationship, or your values might be something else more you know, productive. But in my case... Strength, courage, and faith would be strong values. They're a byproduct of, you know, humility and, and uh, integrity and obedience and, and, and the word. And in fact, keeping your word and being strong in that word that God has for you. The, the third thing then that uh, Joshua displays, first is he, he, he looks with spiritual eyes. Second, he doesn't compare, complain, or compete because he doesn't want the credit. And then thirdly, he went after the promise. He, the Bible says that now is your time. Now is your time, Joshua, to go after what I have already promised you. 
And so maybe it is your time now. Maybe the, the promise that God's given you, maybe that's, maybe that's yours. You know, all of his promises are yes and amen. Now, you have already received it. So are you, let me take that back. You've already been given it. Sometimes we have a hard time receiving it, don't we? The Bible says, Jesus speaking in Mark 11, if you pray, believing that you received so you got to believe that you're receiving. Okay, God, I know every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. I receive those gifts today. I receive. We're not always talking about wealth. We're not always talking about favor. It could be health. It could be uh, children who grow up and be blessed. It could be, uh, it could be loved ones. It could be grandchildren. It could be whatever. It could be answered prayer. It could be all these things. But every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. Come back, worship team, if you will. We're going to close this thing up and talk about just what God has in store. So what has God promised you? I want you, to, I want you to think about that for a minute. Has God promised you something in your life that maybe hasn't been fulfilled yet or maybe because of somebody else's doubt or fear, not even your own. Maybe somebody else's doubt and fear has kept you from promises of God. Maybe somebody else's misgivings. Maybe somebody else has just been betrayed you. And you, and, you, and you don't think God has uh, given you those promises that he has promised you. I want you to, I want you to open those promises up again. Because if God has written a promise on your heart, then it's up to him to give it to you. But it might be you that needs to now arise and go after that promise. So you have to believe that you're receiving that promise. Has God promised you something from his word? Has God given you a, a rhema word versus a logos word? A logos word would be, okay, uh, uh, Doug, you know this one. Uh, the most visible logo in America is what? McDonald's. Little two-year-olds can see it. They can't read McDonald's, but they know that's McDonald's. I can get a cheeseburger and a Happy Meal right there. That's a logos word. Everybody knows God. There's a God that exists. But rhema is when that word just settles in your heart, and now that it becomes a relationship with God. So I go from logos, yes, God's word, to rhema, oh, God's word. Wow, it became real just now. It's real in my heart. Now, God fills that God-sized hole in our heart where now I knew about God, but now I know God. Logos to rhema. It's believing God's promises to you from his word. It's showing us and it's knowing us that there's promises that God has and maybe some of those promises are unfulfilled in your life. Stand with me this morning, everyone. Just close your eyes for a second. We're not going to ask for a show of hands or anything. I just want God to minister to you for a moment. Maybe you have an unfulfilled promise. Maybe it's a relationship or a finance. Maybe it's a, a burden that you're carrying for a relative or a, a family member. Maybe it's some, something in your life that you just can't shake. And you, you know God's promised you freedom and deliverance and happiness and joy. God's given you those things. And you hear pastors and people on television and radio and friends quote it and maybe small groups. And, and you've, never met, you've never felt that feeling. But you know it can become rhema to you. Maybe it's an unfulfilled promise. I just want you to ask the Lord today over these next several weeks as we walk into this, now is your time. Now is the time that God is getting ready to speak to you. Would you dare, would you dare just ask God to fill that promise that maybe is void in your life? As I pray and we begin to worship one more song, I'm going to ask you, 
Lord, I, you, I feel like you've promised me this thing, whatever that thing is, would you, would you fulfill that promise in my life? Can now be that time. Maybe it's a new business. Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's something God's challenging you to do. Maybe it's even bigger, way, way bigger than what you can imagine it can be. Lord, is now the time? Would you fulfill that, that promise? Father, we speak to you now. We ask you, Father, with open hearts, would you speak to us, Lord, if there's promises, Lord, that, that we've maybe even forgotten about or buried underneath, Lord, years of guilt or shame or, or unbelief or doubt or fear, would you cause us, Lord, to recreate that promise in our life? Lord, knowing and believing now is that time. Now is that time for that rhema word. It's been logos. It's been logos for so long. We, we've seen the signs, but now, Lord, we have to receive it. We pray believing and receiving that those promises of those mountains being moved, those promises being fulfilled, they're ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
would ask, he would give. All we have to do is ask. Father, would you pour out a fresh anointing? Would you pour out a fresh fire, a fresh vision, God?
Amen. Well, that a powerful message today. Do you receive that as a reminder of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. So when we hear God's promise to Joshua, when he says, everywhere the sole of your foot will tread, I am giving you that land. What he's saying is everywhere that you are willing to fight, every place you go, every battle you encounter, I have given you the victory already. And we can take that promise as well and say that if we are in Christ Jesus, then he has already won the victory on the cross. Amen. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice of the Son of God, we have the victory. If you're willing to fight for it, if you are in Christ, just because you have a battle in front of you doesn't mean you have to wonder if you're going to win. Because Jesus said, it is finished. Amen? So whatever that promised land looks like in your specific situation, whatever the promised land looks like for you, that mountain that you can take, that, that, that land... I encourage you to go for it, but I want you to know that Jesus has already won the battle for us. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the battle that's already been won. Lord, we praise you even in advance. God, we thank you so much for the, the cross and the blood of Jesus because of you, Jesus. You have given us the victory. Lord, now we go forward. We march. We march out of here as an army of believers willing to fight for the land that you have given to us. We fight for this community. We fight for our families. We fight for this church and those that are in it. God, we, we fight for you, God, and for what you are doing in this nation. Lord, we ask that you would give us this land. Lord, that you've given us the victory. God, I pray that you bless each person here. Lord, that you would go before us and empower us to do what you've called us to do. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.